What's up, world? You are now listening to the Power Post Game Report. I am, of course, I'm one of your hosts, as always, Triple D, and with me, as always, is... Scalos Dave. What's up? What's up, brother? Not much, man. It's it, it's time. We we have we've made it to the the last loop in this roller coaster ride of our first season. Um, book two. Uh, I don't think there's much they can do to not make this season finale. I don't want to say like a hit, but. Well, no, I, I think it's going to be solid. I, I feel like uh, they've done a really good job of being consistent um, for the most part. And, uh, yeah, this this episode kind of – I'm ready. I'm ready for this season finale. Um, a, a very nice ramp up. Obviously not the power we're used to. We're usually in that eighth episode. Uh, usually about three or four people get shot up, it, you know, so – having to put ourselves in a, in a new universe um same universe new new world i should say um where things have been just as big but uh for the most part not that many depths um what, how you feeling about where we are right now i feel pretty good especially after this episode i think it was a a very strong episode um it upped up some of the uh action um gave us some kind of close out to some stories uh we did get at least one death in it um you know but it's hard to kill off a lot of people when you don't really have a lot of main or major characters when you just kind of developing new people um but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm excited to see how they're gonna finish it all out um it's been a pretty good season this was a strong episode a couple of things i would nitpick here and there but for the most part um i enjoyed it i had fun i had a lot of good times with this one what you think about it all right Season 1, Episode 9, Monster. You ready to dive in? Uh, yeah, man. Let's go. Let's go right to it. Um, any, what, what's the, what are your initial thoughts on the episode as a whole? A strong episode. Um, like I said, it, it, it amped up some of the action. We got a little bit more action than we have seen in some previous episodes. Also got a lot of more kind of, um, uh, not direct action in, in like people shooting or fighting, but a lot of that courtroom drama really picked up too when we saw yeah. the ramifications of everybody's actions associated with Tasha's case. Um, so yeah. I enjoy it. What would you think? Uh, same. Um, everything's crumbling. And I think, and this is not a bad thing, but I think just the way things have progressed, especially in this particular episode, I think they... I think they planned to only have maybe one real season. Um, obviously, we know that they've been greenlit for for a second season. And with COVID kind of halting production, it made me wonder if, you know, they were going to make some changes to kind of draw it out since now they know they're getting a second season. And it could be just, you know, availability and unable to make it happen because of COVID. But I feel like, and I have no idea what their plan was, but it feels like they're staying on track with if this were to end in one season, I, they, you know, this is how we would end it. Because I feel like, obviously, we know we're getting a second season, but I feel like unless they made like some small changes, I feel like the season finale could easily end, well, excuse me, could end in a way that like, it leaves us with a cliffhanger that 
either is or isn't picked up in one of the other books or it's just like you know what if it had to end here and we weren't getting any more it's a satisfactory ending so i think we're gonna see some some really wild stuff um in the season finale um but yeah let's get into the details uh show picks up with kane keeping it pushing and uh it looks like he he <laughs> his new right hand man guap uh is helping him clean up the bodies of his of his uh his associates which man it's already one thing that you you pretty much signed your life away to this dude and he killed your homeboys he made you pick up and hack up your homeboys bodies for disposal wild just wild opening but right in line with with power and what we know and love about it uh, any thoughts on that I mean, yeah, I think you just kind of touched on it. That it shows uh, the heartless, heartlessness of Cain, you know, forcing somebody that you're already forced into kind of basic servitude. And also, you got to help dispose of the, your buddies that I just killed. Uh, and it also showed kind of the coward, the cowardness, the cowardness, cowardness, cowardness. I don't know. Am I saying that right? Cowardness. Cowardness. There cowardice. you go. Of a uh, little guap. Yeah. Where that you would go with this. That it's bad enough that you already basically gave up your life. Uh, to Kane to be in Kane's servitude, but then you also care so little for your friends that he killed that you would, you know, participate in the disposal. It's a bit much, but it was a quick scene, and it just shows kind of Kane's dominance. Yeah, yeah. and um, gave way to a nice transition. Uh, Tariq waking up to Two Bit asking for a lot. Like this man, Two Bit is kind of tripping. He's kind of tripping. The man wanted double what he asked for, you know, and Tariq busted his butt to get in, what, 48 hours, if that. Um, he now wants double for saving his life. And I'm I'm curious to see how this how this thing goes with 2-Bit because at some point, Tariq's going to be like, okay, you're costing me too much money and you got to go because you're doing too much. And I don't have time to keep looking over my shoulder for you specifically. I got enough people to look over my shoulder uh, for. Um, and this, of course, will lead into the, the quick scene with uh, Zeke and um, Professor Milgram uh, the next morning. Um, any thoughts on those two scenes before I get into the the Zeke Milgram scene? Uh, no, I mean, just that neither um, both in the Tariq scene and in the Milgram scene, they sleep with their, without charging their phones. That's all I kept on thinking about. It was like Tariq was asleep, woke up, picked his phone up, no charger. Who does such things? And I think the professor did the same thing in the next scene. Um, but you know, it's just showing like the, uh, you know, how two bit feels. He has three kind of trapped, and nothing, nothing he can do about it. I think ultimately you're right. He can't keep paying him money. But I think so. I think it's going to lead to two bits next role in the show, which I think is going to be an enforcer for these Tahadas. Uh, I think because they lost Kane, they need somebody else that's gonna, that, that can get on the street and help move their product. They can't expect um, Tariq to move all the pills and all the coke that they used to move when they had a street team. So I think that's might that might be where they're going to lead this two-bit story. But, you know, only time will tell. That's a nice theory. I didn't even consider that. I just figured Tariq was going to find a way to get him killed. But, yeah, I actually like that theory a, a bit more. And it, it, it would work. Um, but, yeah. Like, uh, I'd give Tariq a slight pass because the lucky fell asleep studying. So maybe a slight pass. Professor Milgram, um, 
yeah, she just messy because this is clearly the night after the incident of the previous episode. And uh, Zeke has gotten her involved now. He, he came clean to her because he really does confide in her. He really does, you know, have feelings for her. But now she's involved. And um, as it comes up later, we 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 learn that uh, she was once a practicing attorney, um, which is the fuel to the fire that's lit under her for justice throughout this episode. Uh, but yeah, it was, I, I thought that was interesting. Like, why would you, you know, you, I, you, pro you probably shouldn't have told her everything. I get it. But him knowing that his family is extremely dangerous, this, this was a, it was a, it was a dice roll. Um, so of course this gives way to the meeting with the other faculty and to let of uh the boys and breakout kings and i'm pretty sure it was on some other stuff too but that's that's where i know laz alonzo from um what do you think of that cameo and you know just that overall scene of him kind of just wanting some some cooperation from the faculty I mean, I like parts of it. I like the fact that they um, are investigating this murder, because in the in the last scene they made it seem like it was just oh some kid got drunk and they thought it was just like an accident, and I thought that was gonna be the end of it. Um, so I like to see they weren't lazy with that, um, and they brought the cops in. Uh, the thing I did like about the scene is that I just don't believe any police force is just gonna let two professors run their investigation of talking to the students. If they really think mm -hmm. this is a murder, they're gonna have the detectives actually talk to suspects, um, and. And I know they're trying to tie in the fact that they want to be, they want these cops to be more like, uh, um, and, and the professor spelled it out, like you can't speak accusing these brown and black kids. That's something people want to talk to. And the police are supposed to be, you know, in the real world also, because I think they even made reference to this summer. And I think they were talking about like the stuff that happened in the real world, like, um, you know, all the Black Lives Matter stuff, all the George Floyd stuff. Um, so I think that's what they were saying, but I just don't believe it. It kind of left me in like a bad taste of mouth that they think that, that uh, a detective investigating a murder would just let two cops basically be the only ones to talk to students and they can keep whatever they talk about confidential. Uh, so I, I wasn't a big fan of the scene itself. Mm -hmm. um, I think, like, I, I totally get where you're coming from. I think this is a, a vehicle to kind of get Laz Alonzo into the show. Um, just from, you know, back and forth in chemistry, it seems like he's going to be a reoccurring guy. Um, Possibly someone who <laughs> is a non-student love interest for uh, Professor Milgram, which I wasn't too mad at that, um, but also someone that's going to intentionally thwart and annoy uh, Jabari, who was, I don't know if it's the character choice from the writers or if it's the actor choice in his de delivery, but him, while I get where he was coming from, like, I mean, and I'm not saying, well, that that's where I get, I get conflicted. His his character traits in this show are a conflict for me. Because it's like, I t totally buy, you know, his, his stance on, you know, obviously anti-police brutality and why, you know, these students, especially the black and brown students, wouldn't trust a police officer. But knowing how much of a sleazeball this dude is, it kind of sours it. It's like, and I, I want to compare it to this, but it's like, can a person be 
crappy in one one aspect of life, but super woke in another. And in some cases, yes, but like, I don't feel like, I don't know, just knowing how much of a creep this dude is and the, the sex with the students, it's like, I'm not saying don't, you know, fight for, <laughs> against police brutality, but also, dude, you gotta get your, you gotta clean your act up because obviously we, the, the viewer know what the rest of his staff don't know. So like that, that made me feel weird because it's like, you know, as soon as, every time he'd make a point, you want to be like, yeah, but it's all, but also I know you're, you're grimy. Like I know you're a terrible person who on top of all your sexual escapades and stalking one of your, uh, your, <laughs> one of your coworkers, um, you're also plagiarizing one of your students for your own personal gain. So it's like, I wish I could separate the two of you, but right now your, your grimy side is, is overpowering your, your woke side, I guess. Um, any thoughts on that? I don't know. I think he pretty much summed it up. I think it was just kind of, you know, he's just a weirdo. That's just kind of his role, and that's what they expect him to be. Uh, so he was, you know, filling in his role, being weird. But, you know, I can understand your point of view where, like, uh, it's hard to root for him when he's doing something righteous because you know he does so many messed up things. But I don't know if his character is supposed to be like to any kind of way regardless. I think even when he's doing good stuff, he's still supposed to have, like, this... Uh, dissatisfaction with the guy so I think they just doing a good job if that's what their goal is you know I'm not a fan of the character of course but that may have been the point I don't think most many people are hmm. we shall see what happens with this this guy doesn't get killed which neither of us would really mind uh, so we got Drew stay on the job for real for real going to make pickups and meet with Monet um, they are not to say the, the C word in that family anymore, uh, because that's how fed up and that's how done Monet is. And, um, we'll get to my thoughts on how she played this, uh, this whole situation later, but, uh, Drew stressed, <laughs> I mean, he, he took, he took the responsibility cause he, you know, he, he stepped up. But he a little stressed. They they now have more product of DC Joe. They make it back. And uh, what better way to get paid for it if you can? Um, so yeah, that was an interesting. Hold on, hold on. A little bit on how yeah, man. First in the drive, he 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 shift. It's hard to say that man. In Monet's presence, uh, but yeah, the the man is already ready for vacation. And so, nah, hold on. Yeah, my man Drew is tired. He picked up Kane shifts, uh, pretty much very ne the very next day, and he got a lot going on. Monet, of course, does not care. Uh, she she just wants things done, and uh, they got their problem on their hands. They got DC Joe's. Um, and people have been asking uh, for DC Joe's whereabouts. And obviously, they're not going to tell. So they got to get rid of that product. So now Tariq has to move that white girl on campus. Uh, situation, boy. Uh, what did you think about that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I just kind of agree with you saying. Drew is definitely tired and definitely out of his league. 
uh, for as much as he stepped up in the last episode, I don't think he was ready fully for Kane's job just now. And he's just kind of, um, and I don't know if it's the pressure. I just think just it's a combination between just all the pressure point that he's putting on him and uh, also just all the extra work when you remove anybody from whatever the organization is. If you're down a man, it's always going to be more work on whoever's left standing. And I think it's just kind of getting right. the drew. And as we see throughout the episode, uh, it wears on him more and more. Um, and then as far as the um, Monet wanting to wreak them with the product, I, at this point, I think he may be the only person working for her. Like, I don't... She cut her ties with GTG. I don't know who else moves it. Um, so I guess he's our only option. And he, he seems to be down for any task that they give her, uh, that she gives him. So um, we'll see if he can get that product off throughout the rest of the episode. Yeah. So uh, we get a quick scene where uh, Moms calls. And uh, they this is a, an interesting conversation for two reasons. One, uh, she's telling him, you know, she's trying to get the word out on, like, what, what happened? You know, what in the world happened? Uh, last time they talked, someone was trying to kill him and obviously she had that conversation with uh lorenzo in the in the mail jail so she's just trying to get caught up on what in the world is going on out there so the thing the interesting thing to me about this is not so much that Tariq is kind of playing it like everything is under control but like he almost played her like she was unimportant like like he wasn't you know he he was acting like a teenager you know how you know how happy sometimes like when you're a teenager and you, your parents are trying to tell you something and you're just trying to speed through it because you don't really want to hear, hear that which would be normal if his mom wasn't in jail like that that seems strange to me like he really kind of played her off as unimportant as unimportant and kind of bought him uh and that that, that Kind of brings up something that comes up later, but we'll get to that when we get to that. What do you think about, about that scene going into uh, the classroom scene, which was Lauren versus everybody? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Tasha's been a role as a concerning mother. And I think Tariq legitimately thought that the situation was, situation was handled. Um, he knew who the person was that tried to kill him. Uh, even though that person is still out there, he feels like, I guess, he has enough protection from Monet that it's not going to be an issue down the line. So I think he just kind of. I, I think it was kind of the opposite. Not that he was trying to like push her off, but I think he just knows she has a lot going on and he doesn't need to add to her plate if he thinks he's already handled the situation on the street. So that's just kind of my, my thoughts on it. Uh, and then, you know, he had to rush her off the phone anyway because he was trying to avoid being late for class, which uh, <laughs> technically was the last student to sit down, but he did beat mm -hmm. the teachers there. So he wasn't late. Yeah. There was no more running yeah. through the halls and busting in and getting reprimanded um so he actually showed up for um class on time and then this was a heated class discussion and like you said it was basically yeah. pretty much lauren versus the class i think in this episode in this uh little quick scene uh weirdo professor shot her down i think he called her comments remedial uh bruce andrea said something slick to her um you know putting her in her place tyreek mocked her for excuse me calling out his mom for being in jail um and then i think he also told her hit her with a kanye not a, well, Kanye is let me let you. I'm gonna let you finish, but she he told her let me finish, uh, which is an that excellent more, cutoff. Uh, excellent cutoff. It was more people. of a more of a reclaiming my time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Big scene. Um, 
little subtle thing like they don't seem to be beefing that much anymore um which was which was cool i think they both kind of moved past it like you know it is what it is um but yeah everything you said plus it's now been brought to the attention that obviously not only do the students know that the quote-unquote accident was is being investigated as a murder but they they've also already you know just from life experience have made the the connection that uh yeah they're gonna they're gonna be talking to the black and brown students and and this is what they're that look into and you know we've all seen it in one case or another but for the viewer um we see lauren's lack of life experience because she still has it set in her mind that like no it's an accident they said the police said it was an accident so clearly it's an accident um interesting scene and i wasn't mad at it um but the topic of this week is frankenstein's monster which centers around monster uh the the one of the talking points was what makes a monster um are people made into monsters because of their environment um or are they just naturally monsters on their own uh tying into you know our character our main character of course and you know other characters throughout this this series um what did you think about that part of um the the class discussion um, it looks like I always talk about um, how, how I like the class discussions because it does remind me of a um, you know real college environment. Um, if you had certain type of classes where they, there's just not really just getting a bunch of answers right, it's there for open discussions to actually kind of engage yourself and engage your mind. And I think this was a good discussion. I think um, everybody's making some good points. How uh, it's a combination of things. You know, nobody is born. I don't think to be evil or bad or to be like this monster but uh a lot of different circumstances can lead to that and it's not always on the person it can be how society looks at them that forces them into certain avenues or different things um and it, all, it also could be the fact that they don't feel like they're a part of the society they can turn them into you know this monster character so i always enjoy the, the classroom discussions uh what you think of mm -hmm. it same like i i once they have it it's like oh you know my brain is at this point where it's like okay how is this going to tie in um throughout the rest of the you know from here on out um and you know that that comes up later and we'll, we'll get to that when we get to that um i do like that we kind of see that um freak isn't hasn't completely given up on lauren uh even though they had a little tiff in the hallway uh he still does the you know the r&b 90s look back when she walks away and everything so um it's still something there um but I think fan service wise, I think the next scene was like, I'm glad they did it. And it's not even that big of an important scene, but I'm just glad it happened. Uh, <laughs> they finally have a spot check in Tasha's jail and get annoying female guard or petty female guard uh, coming by and old boy popping up to grab that phone. Cause uh, I, was wor I was wondering, I was like, okay, how are you going to handle this? Uh, luckily, she got bailed out, which I don't know if that was that got job from the jump or if um, maybe Lorenzo was like, look, she's threatening my family. So just make sure she's taken care of in there. Make sure she don't get caught up in there. Um, quick scene, but, you know, effective less that he is on Tasha and at least 
well, no, because she gets it back. She gets the phone back. Um, what did you think of it? Yeah, I mean, it was just a quick scene. Um, it was good. You know, we we always ask the question about how the phone stays charged, stays charged, but we never really get into how she has kept a phone successfully in jail for all these years. And apparently, they just haven't been searching. Um, and even if they do search, Lorenzo clearly has some type of connection or heads up um, where the people involved know to get the weapon, get uh, whatever the contraband is out of there. Um, and I think mm-hmm. the only reason they got and, I, and why and the reason I put Lorenzo in is because if they were just tossing, the, like nobody cares if Tasha just gets caught with the phone. They just don't want her to be able to say who she got the phone from. Uh, so that shows that he has some type of pull and some type of. Well, we already know he got pulled in jail, so that's no big deal. But that, that's that's just the gist of it. It was good to see that uh, we do get some ideas to what happens in this jail and how she's not just so freely hiding contraband all the time or just kind of standing uh, above everybody else in there. That was cool. Yep. So from there, we get a really a really fast scene with uh, Sax and Scary Mr. Ott, who's putting the pressure on. Who is putting the pressure on the boy, and Sax is <laughs> over it. Uh, but you know, he, Mister Ott, decides he's gonna he's gonna do he's gonna make some moves of his own. Uh, meanwhile, we get Detective Milgram, um, who somehow across like pictures, like actual pictures of Zeke, and I didn't understand that because like. They had, you know, names of, of of who were in the pictures and stuff like that. Yeah, and we know she was an attorney, so like that that kind of like that explains her her detective skills. Uh, but it, I just thought it was interesting that like I, I couldn't figure out where she got those pictures from before she went into her internet search. Yeah. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just saying it was just another scene that didn't make any sense. Cause it looked like she he was in his like personnel file, like his college transcript file, but it was full filled with personal pictures. Like, where did she get all these personal yeah. pictures? So, uh, it didn't make any sense. That part I didn't get at all. And then she's, I guess she goes that leads her down the path of being a, like I said, a detective. Even though I don't recall him ever saying anything about her having a little background, but maybe I just care so little about the character that I just zone out. But I, this was the first I ever heard them talk about her having a, being a former prosecutor. Was that something that had came up before, or was this a first-time thing? I, I feel like it was um, because she is teaching the, cano- the canonical law, um, so it, it wasn't. I bought it. It's like one of those things. Like I kind of played it off to the side, but I feel like they mentioned it while introducing character. Um, but apparently, a lot happened that first episode um but uh Tari walks in and sees a name you know here's a name and whatnot um and this is where i was just like okay you, with with professor milgram you, you started to you know build her jabbar but like, like now you this thing where they're almost like it almost felt like they were coming to detect- and obviously they had their own goals in mind you know uh Milk to save Z. Uh, Mari's a douche and wants dirt to reek. But I was just like, this is another element. It's two together. And we don't need any more of two together. That's something they've. This season. Um, every 
now listen to the fans. That that needs to be. I think. Yeah, I'm just completely over those two together. I think Professor Milgram can be saved. It's too late for Jabari. There's, there's no coming back for him. So just keep them apart or go somewhere else. Maybe he can go hang out Tate. I, uh, uh, keep them apart. Okay. So uh, next, next scene is pretty much uh, the GTG hideout uh, where Ken is now set up shop. And uh, he's made it known that um, if Tariq and Monet are taking over Stansfield, the streets belong to me. Uh, bossing up. And uh, Drew, you know, just still trying to be active with this brother, which, you know, which is good on someone's part that he's actually trying to fix this a bit. And um, he, he's trying to let them know what's going on. And Kane, rightfully so, is like, look, she don't want me there. So what you want me to do about it? And he lays down the, the law that like, look, you're either with me or against me. Like me and you can take this. Like me and you can run this. Us two brothers. But I'm done with dad. I'm done with moms. Let's let's run this. And before he can decide, a very much alive Lil Guap walks in. And uh, Drew clearly not cool with that. Wants no deal. Uh, Kane's like, well, he's he's loyal because Kane got him. At least we think he for now. We think he has him. Uh, and he has him. So you know, what's it gonna be? You is it gonna be us or is it gonna be? Is it gonna be them? What's it gonna be? And we get that we get the dinner scene where <laughs> Diana asks him, so what you what you do? He's like, what what do you mean? What I do? I left. Monet, super gangster, wanted him to just shoot up the place, which that's not that's not smart. That's why I'm I'm glad Drew is Drew because Drew is, Kane easily would have shot that whole place up. But we also get the blow up where he's just like, look, y'all are wilding out. You and Kane are wilding out, and I'm he's sick of it. He's all he, not just the job, but he's sick of the crap in the house. Um, and he tells him like, this is what it is. Like, do you understand? And we get Drew saying, I hear you, but that delivery tells me that like he going he gonna get himself out of here. He gonna get he's going to do what's best for him, I think. At least he's gonna try to. What did you think of that scene? Uh yeah, I think um going back to the the scene with Kane and uh Drew, it was really kind of just a draw a line in the sand a sand kind of um scene where uh Kane is like you either with me or you get me at this point. He he's giving up on family. Uh, he's putting out one last reach back to his brother to say, hey, you know, let the Tahada boys run the streets. Um, but at the end of the day, he can't be a part of that anymore. So he's letting them know, look, it's either me being uh, Kane and everything that's going to come with that or, you know, we can't be brothers no more. Uh, so I thought that was a dope scene. Um, and then the Monet reaction was just over the top. I don't understand where she's coming from, where she wants Drew, would, would expect Drew to just shoot up a place. Or, or advise him that that would be in the good sense for him to try to kill, you know, 30 people or have many people in that room when he's by himself. Um, and then, the, basically, the rest of the scene was just um, when she told Drew, fuck your feelings, really. Like, this is, uh, I don't want to hear no more wine and I don't want to hear anything else. This is your life from now on, now that Kane is gone. So, you either, you know, you just got to accept it. And that's just the end of the world because she's the boss. 
Um, so it was, it, I want to see where Drew's going to go moving forward. Um, you know, does he pull kind of what Zeke did in this? Well, Zeke was trying to distance himself from the family down the line. Does he just say, hey, I don't live here no more. I'm going to go find Everett, and maybe we can live happy ever after, and I can support my own different things. Or is um, personal loyalty to his family going to trump all that, and he's going to stay mm-hmm. under Monet, uh, Monet's wing? So it's, it's good to see where they're going to take Drew as we move into further seasons. One last thing on that scene. I wasn't okay with how just seemingly okay with Kane being killed, Monet is. Like, she was really like, hey, if something happened to him, it's, it's whatever. I'm like, and it's like, that's that's your son. Like, I, I understand that we were supposed to view her as, you know, this ruthless boss but like i don't i don't feel like she and this 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 isn't acting ability this is this is writing choice i don't think they've built her up to be that cold and ruthless especially with the you know the 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 scene we see later on where she would obviously if you're listening it's spoilers anyway um where she puts a pulls a gun to his head i was like this is this is the i feel like the writers betrayed her like this is too much but you know we'll get to that when we get to that um we get a really smooth transition from uh diana asking are Tariq's bricks going to be enough absolutely not which i love little stuff like that uh tasha is being briefed on her surprise witness excuse me um not surprise witness but just on a witness that um they're gonna have come up on her behalf to a degree and we get the return of Epiphany. Epiphany is hilarious. Epiphany needs to be in more episodes. What did you feel about Epiphany and getting to meet uh, Meth Man? Because basically, yeah, okay. We pretty much got to see Epiphany being Epiphany. And meeting Method Man. That wasn't Davis McLean. Now she met Method Man and Cooper Sacks. Uh, what did you think about uh, um, that that particular scene and just Epiphany being Epiphany? Oh, yeah, it was a good introduction, uh, bringing this character back. They shared a lot of funny scenes. Um, I think when they asked her to do them the favor of, of testifying. Uh, no, 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 it wasn't that. It was like um, I think when she was saying, "What you gonna do?" Because they were saying we could promise you to get you all these charges, and she was like, um, "That kind of ass clapping don't come for free." Um, so knowing that they want something shady from her, um, if they are so willing to come to her house and talk about just dismissing charges for whatever testimony they claim that they have against her, um, so I, I think it was cool. I love Epiphany. I think she's a nice comic relief, kind of like the uh, Bruce character. So every time she comes on the scene, I think she gives us not too much, but enough that we want to see her again down the line. Kind of similar to when um, Spank was the comic relief when he used to. You know, I, I don't know if I want to see him for 45 minutes in the episode, but you come in every two, three minutes, get a couple of funny lines off, and then kind of going about your business until so we need you again. I enjoy that uh, kind of side character. Uh, what you think of it? Uh, same. More epiphany, if we can. Um, one, like, you touched on everything, but one thing we have to also note is that they're to a degree, and although grimy means, they're telling the truth. They are trying to get Tasha out of jail. Um, they've been honest about their their goal. Uh, it's just their their process of going about it is what's 
so so shady and so grimy um so it, it i think it's a super interesting parallel of like do the end justify the means if that even is applicable but like it i i like that despite the fact that they're both shady they're telling the truth they're actually trying to see justice they're just going about it in a real you know scummy way um so i thought that was i thought that was interesting um so meanwhile back in the dorms uh we get sort of a, a another one of those ghost and tommy parallels where Tariq, a la ghost is he's playing he's playing superiority like you know he's playing superior to, to brayden like you you know not that brayden's a muscle or anything like that but like he's treating him like look you don't you don't listen to me you never listen to me so like i lied to you which is such a a big you know thing that was a, a big aspect of the the first series tommy rarely listened and even when ghost was telling the truth sometimes sometimes tommy would still blow it by being a hothead um in this case brayden's not necessarily a hothead he's he's letting his his feelings get in the way of business and Tariq is about business right now and that's why they always say it's a little it's always caution when going in the business with friends uh but he gives him a christmas present he throws some bricks down gucci man starts playing off in the background if you listen really carefully carefully and uh brayden agrees to help him out with it and their goal is to go meet effie um what did you think about that scene uh, I mean, it was it was a cool scene. Like I said, it does parallel a lot of stuff from the first season with Ghost and Tommy. Um, I think Brayden is just tired of Tariq lying for no reason, and because he had the same exact reaction when Tariq told him the truth, the truth that he could have told him whenever that was three episodes ago, and the fact that Sax is the one that's prosecuting my mother. This is his niece. She pro he probably sent her here to spy on me, uh, and that should have been enough to send him away. All the lying about him trying to sleep with him and all that bull. I didn't understand when he told a lot to begin with why he needed to tell it. Um, so it was good that they finally cleared that up because it made sense just to the truth. Um, then their plan to get Effie to sell it, I don't really understand that plan um, because in the episode before, Effie was the one bringing them coke. So why all of a sudden would, they, would she need their coke to sell? And then why would she buy all of that coke if she already has a connect? So I think that was a little lazy writing that, they, that Effie is just like this escape pad whenever Tariq gets caught with a bunch of product he uses they, they use somehow use Effie as the magical mover just to get rid of product that he needs whenever he needs money so that was another one of the little things in this episode that was like eh I don't get it um but it was cool I like to see that I, you know I, I prefer Brayden and uh Tariq be on good terms I like I, I thought Brayden was gonna be annoying yeah. at first but I like him as a character now so I, I'm cool with the scene yeah um another quick scene between Zeke and Milgram and, and the table turned uh Milgram is now getting Zeke more involved than he would like to be uh trying to get him to test well not testify but um, to the the anonymous um I guess like that the talks or whatever with one of the professors and um you know keep his identity secret and what he what he knows and and all that so he's getting in deeper than than he needs to or wants to i should say 
and um across the the state not the state across the city in the jail paula gets the the rug pulled from under her and starts connecting dots um and oh this is this means the 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 crumbling of the cookie like everything falling apart starts at this point right here because she's under the the impression that epiphany is a doctor dr epiphany turner and um <laughs> tasha says no she ain't no doctor and this is where we get the 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 realization from paula that she's been lied to and that they've been in cahoot that something's something's wrong here um what did you think of that scene and the fact that tasha pegged that she was sleeping with davis i mean we always know tasha has been smart um and, and when it comes to picking up stuff um especially stuff that she could use so i wasn't shocked that she peeked that out and then of course she tried to use it quickly to her own advantage talking about how her own life was so put off set when um her husband had a side piece and yada 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 and you know paula got to make the right choices and it worked you know it got paula to really rethink her relationship with davis and rethink who she should be loyal to um the person who's paying them and, and who technically they're supposed to be doing right by or is she more loyal to davis and his i'll do anything for a win attitude the money to win attitude um so i think tasha right. did a good job when she um when she uh broached when she approached paula she knew what to do uh she said the right words and she got paula on her side you know rather quickly Indeed, um, they may the connection that after going through, I guess, county record or court records, where she's just clicking at her phone and gets all these uh, access to all these files. She they find that um, Sax is the one calling Epiphany to the stand. And um, correction, this is when the cookie begins to crumble. Um, so they're, they're trying to figure out what in the world is going on, why Tariq is involved in this. And, uh, speaking of people connecting dots, uh, Mr. Ott, I, I can't remember his name. What, what was his name on Royal Pains? Was it Greg or something like that? But mm. dude is, he's killing this role as just this, this douche in a suit. Um, <laughs> he comes back with with pictures of uh of McLean and Sax together with with Epiphany and as much as the show has done an okay job from a, like a non-biased standpoint of like okay Sax is the one that's in a, in between a rock and a hard place when you know what you know this is this is karma finally coming back to Sax um and it's been a long time coming. It's been a long time coming because everything is is cracking under him. Now he has to screw over Davis, which you know it was going to be one of the other at some point. Uh, what did you think of that scene? Ah, uh, yeah, like I said, uh, Sax has been always the one to come out smelling like roses, no matter what. When it came to the AUSA office, like he's the last one standing of how many people: Sandoval, Angela. Uh, Knox, everybody who was a part of that office ended up getting some type of negative reaction from leaving that office, except for him. He seemed to have gotten promoted. Um, so it's good to see that finally somebody's putting the pressure on him because um, he deserves it. He deserves all the bad that comes to him because of all the bad he did in his fake pursuit of justice in the first series. 
Um, so I enjoyed the scene. Um, I, I, I mean, like I said, I've said plenty of times I'm ready for this courtroom stuff to be over. I don't know how they continue to keep Sax and Tasha and a lot of people from the first series in this show. Once we get past, I'm assuming next week they got to give some type of verdict. Um, either that Tasha gonna walk free or they gonna do a verdict or Tariq gonna get arrested. I don't know what it's gonna be, but I, I, they gotta get they gotta get past this stuff. It was good. This, uh, and it, as much as I enjoyed in this episode, I'm just tired of all the original characters from the first show to kind of outside of Tariq to kind of disappear. We if, if this is truly gonna be a new show. And its own show, it needs to kind of really have its own characters and its own storylines that don't connect back to original power. And I'm waiting for that to happen once this court case is over. Okay. So, uh, it's a lot of stress going on. And right now, at this moment of the show, the most stressed person is Zeke standing in front of Monet like he broke something in her house and got, and like someone else broke something in the house and he got blamed for it because my man looked just like a seven-year-old who was doing everything he could to avoid that whooping terrified of monet terrified um <laughs> i thought i thought it was a it was a funny scene to me because my man was fidgeting in his hands in his pockets just he was he was talking he was shook and rightfully so with everything that's going on monet is <laughs> scary to him like it's well she all those kids are afraid of her for real for real uh but i thought that was a hilarious scene where he's just like look like things is too hot like i, I need to get away from y'all um to which you know she comes him back in and she also gets him to to drop that and talking to professor milgram uh what'd you think of that scene uh, yeah, i think Zeke, like i said is caught in a tough place um, where well, he's is literally afraid of Bonet and all the bad things that can happen to him, but is also very much afraid of what his connection to the family can mean for his future. Um, and he's still, you know, his future still, he wants to be in the NBA. And he sees that if he doesn't kind of distance himself from his family, he might not live out his dream, but at the same time, he can't really distance himself from his family because they have been so, so supportive of him and help him get where he is. So I think he just caught up in a, in a weird place where he, is afraid that he won't get his dreams met, but is also afraid of disappointing the people mm-hmm. who have supported him the most. Um, so I feel for I feel for Zeke in this episode. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we get a real quick scene with Paula and Tariq, where she delivers the message that uh, Tariq needs to treat Abini uh, the same way they treated Slim. Do you remember Slim? No, apparently Slim is Kanan though. Um, from what I heard right, from other people say, right. I guess that's what he called him when he first met him, or the fake name he gave him. But uh, I, I was very confused when they were talking about Slim. I was like, uh, you know, who was Slim? Um, yeah. I, I just didn't remember a Slim. But uh, apparently, it's you, you're absolutely right. So the thing, the interesting thing about that was her message and to what I guess to reinterpreted, um, which we'll get to that scene when we get to that scene. Um, another person I felt for in this moment was. Um, Professor Milgram getting mafiaed, uh, returning to her office to find uh, <laughs> Monet just in it with the lights out. And pretty much, you know, we don't need to get too far into that. It's pretty much just a, uh, an ultimatum. Stay away from Zeke or you going. If something happens to him, you. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I definitely agree with you. I think it was just a real boss move by Monet. Um, and showing 
uh, what's her Whoop Milgram that she, if she is doing something to influence Dre and not Dre Zeke in a way that's against this family, she not going for it. So it'll be in her best interest to leave Zeke alone, mind her business, um, before something bad happens to her. And I think she revealed that um, was this what she revealed about she knew that she was fucking Zeke, or was yeah. that late in the show? Because I know I'm sometimes I get the scenes mixed up. Um, right, so uh, no, you got that right. Right, she gave her that good ultimatum, like you know, stop trying to mess up my uncle, my uncle. What is wrong with me today? My nephew, because it's not gonna work out good for you. Um, which kind of took us to the next scene where we are having some more brotherly talk as they walk down the street uh, to meet up for Effie for this uh, drug deal up in New Haven. Um, and it, you know, the brotherly talk was cool, but I think it led to a real interesting scene between. Effie and Tariq, where they were given another chance to kind of let their real feelings show about each other. You know, Tariq made it clear to her that um, I wasn't trying to dish you when I didn't meet, when I couldn't meet up with you. Um, and I think she also realized in her mind that uh, her reaction was of severe overreaction to him not being able to meet her in a specific time that she wanted to meet. Um, and she, she also kind of talked about how they are so much alike how they are very similar and then how Tariq needs to kind of let go of this idea that he isn't the bad guy or he isn't a monster um because she unfortunately had to do the same thing when she turned to men she didn't get any joy out of that but it was in the best interest of her um so i'm curious to see how this will you know they they, are, they seem to part cordially but i'm curious to see how this will um affect their relationship if they have one moving forward when she openly admitted that she can't be trusted because she would do something bad to get over on other people if it's in her best interest. Even though she tried to make it seem like she wouldn't do it again. So I'm curious to see how that would go. What did you think of their uh, little conversation? I thought it was great. Like, it was a lot of honesty. Um, but also the fact that she... This, this is the first time since uh, Elisa Marie's aunt we had a character just called Tariq on how much he lies. Um, but she was, she was real with it. Like, I can't tell, like, if you're lying or not. Like, you're that good. Um, but the question was, much like Ghost, and the parallel again, when Ghost was telling the truth, because he'd done so much lying, people just assumed he was lying, even when he was actually telling the truth. Uh, so I thought that was really, really well done. Um, we obviously haven't seen the last of Effie. Um, but we also get to the point of, you know, bringing it back to the talk earlier of not so much for Tariq, what made him a monster, but the fact that he needs to accept the fact that he's a monster. Um, and the sooner he gets, he, he gets, he makes peace with that, the sooner he can get to being who he really is. Um, and that's put to the test when he goes to meet with Epiphany. Um, would you like to? Would you like to detail about the scene? Uh, no, you can go ahead. Go ahead. I'm going to start. Okay. So, uh, Epiphany, fresh wig, uh, um, meets Tariq, and um, she's hilarious still. Just, I, I hope we get more Epiphany. I hope. And, you know, asterisks, because we'll, we'll talk about the theories at the end. Uh, Tariq has brought the peace. Um, and this is where I got confused. So, you know, as, as she's talking about what's going on, um, 
Well, well, let's 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 actually hammer it out first before I get into what what had me confused. So she she pretty much spills the beans that like these two lawyers, yours, even though he didn't really know it was hers, and Sachs came together and asked her to testify, and pretty much everything that she would be saying would essentially help Tasha. Um, but he still has a choice to make. And as he's getting ready to do what what is perceived to be done, uh, she says, if I like if I had the money, I'd just dip. Wash my hands of it. And we get the bright we get the, the light bulb from Tariq. Um, I I'm gonna let you give thoughts on this scene before I go into what really fused me. Um, I mean, I think we all you know, I'm kind of torn to see what Tariq was going to do. It seemed like he was definitely there to kill her. Um, you mm -hmm. know, ultimately, and, and we don't know if he did or didn't. We would assume that he paid her off because he he doesn't have the money anymore at the end, and she went off in her merry way, you know, to be a dancer in some other fine city. Um, but I think this is really Tariq's kind of, even though he's killed people before, he never had to kill nobody in like just cold blood. Um, and the fact that he had no beef with this lady, she never did nothing to hurt him. Uh, she didn't never violate him anyway. She's just somebody that's kind of in the way of what's in his, uh, him and his family's best interest. Um, so I think he was really torn by that. Um, but I think they were kind of leaning to the fact that push him to shove, he may have um, finished her. Um, and don't forget, this is the second time Tariq has been in this situation in this season. He's about to do the same thing yeah. to Mika. Um, well, yeah, if you go back so to a couple that, yeah. of episodes ago. Um, so, you know, I think this was kind of him not wanting to be that monster that everybody's saying he should be or that maybe he's slowly turning into. And I think this was kind of a point for him by not killing her and giving her the money um, where he has decided not to be this bad guy. Um, you know, will he do things that are bad? Of course. But I don't think he deep down thinks he's like evil, um, which was the cop a top of the discussion from a, a book they were reading early in the season. So what'd you think of it? Or what got what had you confused, I guess? The confused was they handled him, aka Kanan, by setting him up to get arrested. If I'm mistaken. That that initially that was my, my thought. And things went sideways because things went sideways. My question is was Tasha's plan all along to get Kanan killed? Because I was like, there's not much nuance to Tariq rolling up in there with a gun. There's no setup or anything. Like, that's someone who's allowed into the house. He pulls a gun and shoots her. Like, there there was some planning that went into what they how they handled Slim or Kenan. And that's made me wonder, like, you know, does... Was that their plan? Was that how they, how Tasha handled Kanan? Like, you're going to get in the car, and by the time this plan is done, he should be dead like, one way or another. That's what had me confused, and it, it, I could just be overthinking on that one. I, I don't know. I think their plan was just kind of just to get rid of him, and I think just the bonus of it was uh, that that he died. I think, I think it's highly likely, though, that Tasha would know that uh, Kanan won't, you know, might not be so ready to easily surrender to anybody, you know, given his uh, nature and his demeanor throughout the show where he was constantly fighting for a survival or willing to fight for a survival. Um, so I think the ultimate goal was just to kind of get rid of him, get him out of the picture 
and then the icing on the cake was just the fact that he um was was dead so he was ultimately gone so i don't know if her plan was mm-hmm. for him to die the plan was just kind of get rid of him and you know it succeeded right. in the and, ultimate way and so like yeah so like that that's the thing like if it's just to get well i guess paying her off would be getting rid of her so but the fact that his his brain went straight to kill well, I mean, was what kind of you know perplexed me a bit. Yeah, I mean, she didn't um, really make it clear. Like, she didn't really make it clear. I think she made it clear that epiphany needs to be handled, um, but she didn't like you know they clearly didn't have time to plan out a grand scheme. Um, so, to me, I think that's the natural result. The quickest way to handle somebody to make sure they are going to be around is if they're you know literally not around anymore. Because uh, even with him giving her the money to go away, she could promise to run away. That ain't going to stop the police from tracking her down if they really want her that bad. Or um, for her to come back one day. Um, so, you know, I don't know. We don't really know what Tasha was thinking or what her ultimate thing was, especially from how she responds when they have a later conversation about what happened to Epiphany or, you know, when, when she calls her from the jailhouse phone. So, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see how they feel about it. But she seemed to be very hinting to the fact that she wanted to know if his solution was a permanent one or was it just something that uh, was temporary well it worked well enough because uh, Epiphany does not show up to court whatever he did he does not she does not show up to court and the alliance is over everybody's pointing fingers rightfully so because they're both as we said janky lawyers uh thanks Davis screwed him by sending Paul below actuality. She went on her own and um, Davis gets uh sucker punched back with the photos of them together. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's back on like the, the feud, the, the war is officially back on, uh, which is going to play a very interesting. It's going to play a, can you hear that on your end? Uh, what, the buzz? No. Okay, don't worry. Um, it's going to play a very... I, I was getting notifications in my headphones. My bad. Sorry, sorry, audience. We, you just, you just got to give get a little backstage on that. Um, but yeah, Sax is in the proverbial rock and hard place and throws his Hail Mary. Calls Tariq as a witness. What did you think of the scene um, as well as the the... <laughs> the departure of Paula from Team Davis. Mm, I mean, I'll talk about the departure from Paula from Team Davis real quick. I literally drove it was pretty boring. Um, this is another example where they don't do enough to develop this Paula character and this Davis relationship for us to care that they had this grand breakup. Um, we we know they were sleeping together. We learned that about four episodes ago, but we didn't really see anything that really showcased or built their relationship out of the fact that. He was sleeping with somebody who he who worked for him, uh, so I, you know that big grand bloat wasn't. It didn't move me because I'm just not invested enough in their relationship to care. I'm um, you know good for her that she stood up for herself finally. You know, applaud her for that. Um, as far as Sax's plan, this grand plan to to bring Tariq to the sand, um, I'm curious to see what he's going to do with that because um, they do show that Tariq is going to come to court in the next episode, but. Uh, I don't know what Sax has to gain by introducing Tariq in this when he knows Tariq can always can place him at the scene too. 
um, which definitely would, if nothing else, got to lead to some type of mistrial or some type of conflict of interest where um, the the guy who's prosecuting this lady may have been involved in or was at least at the scene of the crime and never reported that he was there. Um, so I'm I'm curious to see what they with you know where they go with that. Um, I got a feeling you know Tamika is gonna have him well prepared though. Uh, my bad, I didn't mean to skip to that scene. But we'll talk about that when we get to it. I mean, we might as well. <laughs> I mean, uh, let, we might as well get to it because you know we'd already mentioned. Well, we we can come back to it because something really big happens uh, in the in the next scene. Um, we get Guap return to 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 Kane with Nay's shipment, and instead of just selling what happened, pauses, which you know makes you draw the knife. Um, and this is this was a good scene because despite the issues, he still cares about his he still cares about his family, and like I appreciated them doing that. Um, he pretty much tells them that like their corner boys are now well Monet's corner boys are now their corner boys and her product is now our product uh and Kane pieces together that she's out um I guess it's Rico he's on his way up and uh he's coming to shut down one uh one store and open up another um so as this is setting up we get Tariq being honest uh, like I don't got your money. Like I, I had to do something for my mom. I messed up. He kept it real. And Monet, being Monet, immediately pulls her gun. <laughs> and uh, you know those kid, her kids, trying to talk some reason to her. We also get Kane in pursuit because again, like he said, he he wants, you know. He 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 wants back in with his family. Obviously, uh, what did you think of this scene leading up to? And you know, we're, we're getting getting to the action too. Uh, it was a good scene. Um, like I said, I enjoy how uh, King still loves his family. Uh, for all the talk about how he don't care about Monet and the father, and he wanted to do his own thing. When he learned his family was in any the slightest bit of danger, his first reaction was to drop all the you know nonsense they got going on before him between them and um go try to assist any way he could which makes sense because even though he is kicked out of the family all this bad stuff that happened to them or the bad blood has happened over like over you know a couple of days so of course people get heated sometimes in family situations sometimes you need a couple of days to cool down and you can always come back so it ain't like they did nothing to um make it so that they have like hatred towards each other um they may now do but you know up until this point they hadn't um so i, I like that um, Monet's reaction I, I don't know why her reaction is always to like it's always fear and maybe it's just the way she was taught and always re or, or brought up um, because her immediate reaction to a guy who has been pretty loyal to her who has always been on time with the product who hasn't ever tried to cross her in any type of way is to put a gun in his face and threaten to kill him um, which to me is just like uh, you know does she have any diplomat in her body in her you know diplomat diplomacy in her or is she always just the most aggressive action is the one that she should take. Um, so th that's that's kind of what that took me when it came to those two, um, with those two scenes. Um, and then I think Tariq also maybe had, after all that he's gone through and all he's been through, might just be at peace with the fact that if he's going to die, he's going to die at this point. And maybe, because I think that's when they showed all those flashbacks of all the people he hurt 
and all the wrong he did to people maybe he thought that this was his rightful punishment um for being bad or doing all the bad he's done um so so that, you know it was interesting and then of course you know that leads directly to the action like you were talking about so if you want to kind of take us on that path um i I agree with everything he said. I think this was a really the scene, the the speech with uh with where he's talking about, you know, all the decisions he's made and the people he's hurt and you get the flashbacks of Keisha and Tommy and Raina and so on and so forth. That's what led me to believe like, okay, they were this this feels like they were planning to to possibly not come back after this season or it'd be however many seasons down the line or whatever. Um, but yeah, uh, drive by. Um, oh, well, right before the drive by, we get a really interesting thing. We get a moment where he, when he's talking about everybody in his life that he's heard and everything, uh, Monet picks up on his father. And I thought that was interesting that she, she held on that of all things. Um, but, Bullets start flying and it's too late. Drew, in typical TV fashion, decides he's going to try and run for it to go get a gun. And in typical TV fashion, he catches one. Um, and then, full circle to what I had mentioned earlier, you know, Kane obviously gets there right after the fact. And again, Monet, like you said, uh, violence first, pulls a gun and puts it to his head immediately blaming him for not being there when she's the one that exiled him and he's despite being exiled he still came he still came back and that that's, that's where i was just like okay they made her too almost too like cold-blooded to came like he was he was up under her wing up until like for every episode up until maybe five or six and I, I don't get it. Um, like we said, Drew catches one, gets taken to the hospital, and even Diana, who I, I, we could blame this on trauma and emotion at the moment, but like she's even blaming Kane for this, um, which I don't know what they expected. Like you, you, you exiled him. Like you want him to hang out and like stalk your house like batman constantly watching you like you wanted him away from the family so technically you got what you wanted uh what did you think of that in the um the, the scene outside the hospital uh real quick just going back to the 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 shootout i think that was just a, another scene that didn't make sense in this particular movie uh movie tv show because they were supposed to be having a meeting with monet to give her more product why would they stop outside and just randomly shoot into the place expecting to kill her? How would they even know she well, was in there or where she was standing? It made no sense. And then, of course, Drew's action was completely stupid and made no sense at all because they're literally shooting hundreds of bullet rounds in here. Why would you run at any point? But it's all for right. TV. But Yeah, that, that part made no sense. I think, you know, she didn't know that she had been asked like she didn't know that she had been cut off, so she's thinking it's a civil meeting. No, I'm, th that's my point. Like Rico's plan to kill her was dumb. She thinks that she doesn't know she's cut off. She thinks she was just having a meeting. Why didn't he just go in there with his four or five boys and one of them shoot her in the head? Why would you randomly just shoot up a the, the, shoot up a bar on the off chance of hopefully hitting somebody in that bar 
when you had the element of surprise. So it just it just was like this. It makes for a much cooler scene action wise that they all got machine guns and they blowing this place up. But in in the realistic, right. if you wanted to kill her, you know that's the least effective way to do right. it. Um, and then as and, far and as I think that's go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say I think that's the point because if by chance, like let's say it's just those four in there. And then him and a bunch of guys with machine guns come in there. They actually set foot in there and they all make it out alive. That's even more ridiculous. So, like, I think this is while I can see why it would come off as dumb. It's a it's a cleaner solution because it's like, yeah, you know, just spray the place. And even if we don't kill her, she knows that she's out, you know, because it, like I said, if they walk up in there the way you said, she has to die. Because if she if she doesn't, especially after struggling to fight off DC Joe, it just looks stupid. Like that looks even worse. You know, I think that's why like they in TV and movies, the drive by is probably one of the most ineffective um, means of killing people in 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 media, unless it's like intentional to set up the rest of the story. So like it was almost like a if if not if we don't kill you a message was sent. You feel me? No no I got it. I mean I know it's for TV. It just was like one of those things that's like kind of there's just a little bit annoying about this particular episode. But yeah you know, we get why they did mm-hmm. it because if you know the show's over if they go in there and kill Tariq and everybody else in there then we don't have anything else to watch. So no I get all that part. I'm just kind of talking about the realistic nature of it. Um, I got you. And then the fall with Kane. Um, I, I I think I don't I, I mean I understand where you're coming from where like like kicked him out of the family of course so of course he wasn't around but I think it's more of uh, the fact they're upset that his actions led to them kicking him out of the family like if he would have just been cool and acting a mm-hmm. fool then he would still be a part of his family the thing with DC Joe wouldn't have happened and they wouldn't be in this situation where we are where the brother is fighting for his life because he got shot if Kane would just get himself under control get his emotions under control and act right from the start I think that's what they were more upset about. Not the fact that he literally wasn't there because they kicked him out the family. More that they his actions were so bad that it led to that. Him being put out. If he'd have just been cool then it wouldn't have that. So I think that's more what that was. Um but another strong scene. And then I, I think totally see that. Yeah. Um this I, I think even with all the stuff that he was doing, Kane thought he had a, a way back into the family or let some time blow off and Maybe if I, you know, irritate them a little bit with the little weird stuff that I'm doing, then they may, you know, get come to their sentence, senses. But I think this um, action and her pulling the gun and really putting on the family is was his emotional breaking point. Um, and you see now he really is in a, he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know what his next move is. Um, and he just has, has fully snapped. Um, as we see what happens, I think, within the next scene uh, with some, uh, what is this, Ramirez? Get into it. Um, where Ramirez, get Ramirez, into it. Kane makes a mysterious call after he's kicked out of the hospital. Uh, he meets up with Ramirez. He's still trying to convince Ramirez that Tariq is the cause. Always. If it wasn't for Tariq, none of this bad stuff would be happening to me and my family. And we need to kill Tariq tonight. Um, but Ramirez, not being an idiot, is like, it's not Tariq, bro. It's you. You are the cause of all this bad stuff happening because you can't get yourself under control. Your mom tried to warn you. Your dad tried to warn you. Even Ramirez tried to warn him that his actions was having a negative impact. And he um, either didn't want to see it or couldn't see it. Um, 
And Ramirez basically goes into a tower. like, look, you being God is actually a bonus for me. I'm not worried about Tariq because Tariq is not, you know, one of my issues or something that uh, is a challenge to me. And I'm about to be back good with your mom. So you can F off. Um, which, of course, led to... Uh, at first, it looked like he was just going to get away with it because when Kane went to go for his gun the first time, Ramirez beat him to the punch and there was nothing he could do about it. Um, but Ramirez, like a fool that he is, uh, literally cussed him out, told him to get the hell out of here, and then turned his back on him only to get knocked out um, and to eat four bullets or four or five bullets, however it was. Um, so there, there it is. We did get a big deafness in this episode. Yeah. Uh, you know, Ramirez, of course, not one of the main, main characters, but somebody that was involved all season um, yeah. and, and with some uh, character that we had gotten to know a little bit. Um, so what was your thoughts? Yeah. Um, pretty much all that. Like, I think this just kind of further, like, solidified my thoughts earlier, where it's just like, I think they plan this to be like a little special type thing because I feel like there's still more room to use Ramirez in this show. Um, but he gone. <laughs> Sucks for that guy, cause I'm pretty sure he he was happy when they saw they got a a season two, and found out he was still gonna be killed in the end of season one. So I hope he got a bonus or something like that, cause I mean I'm not saying I I I, I I'm a, a Ramirez fan, but like I think they could have done more with him. Um, as the series kind of develops, cause you know you need a shady cop. Uh, but yeah Kane is is completely like done you know he's over all of it uh so he it's gonna be real interesting to see how he handles um ball out of the the news of Ramirez being killed um it's probably gonna be a whole lot of targets on his back so um Tariq decides to go and bug probably the most stressed out woman of the of the series so far tamika washington um they won't just leave you alone she is not a lawyer he shows her the video of him i i guess they they feel it's enough which we need some lawyer we need a few more lawyer friends we got one but we need some more we got we need some more lawyer voices is what Tariq said enough to count to count as a confession because I feel like he never explicitly says, I'm sorry I killed you or I killed you. I did what I had to do. Could be anything. But everybody who's seen this video feels, oh yeah, he's screwed. Um, I mean, I don't so know why, because it's know, like uh, they even admit it. I think even Sachs talking to Davis or one of them talks about how this video is not even admissible. Like Sachs can't put that as evidence because he... Didn't have a warrant to take his video. He recorded the guy in his own free time. So he can't like introduce it as like court case. So I'm not sure what this video is. And you know, I'm not a law expert either. Um, but I don't think this video pro proves anything. Like you said, for one, he never makes any type of real confession. And two, um, you know, it's not like he recorded this video himself and sent it to the police. A law enforcement official recorded this guy without his permission, without any type of surveillance warrant. So it's not even something he can use or they can even showcase the courtroom. So I'm thinking their only plan or Sack's plan must be to get Tariq on the stand and trip him up some type of way. But I don't think that video itself is going to be something that's going to make an impact because it's nothing legal about it. Um, and, you know, based from what I understand. 
you know, and I'm not a lawyer, of course. And neither am I. Um, so yeah, that is where the season, uh, excuse me, where the episode ends with Tariq confessing to Tamika that he indeed shot his father. Yeah, we got one more episode, folks. Um, whole lot of moving pieces. A whole lot. I think a whole lot of things are going to be tied up, obviously, at the end of uh, this next episode. But that's good because that that leaves room for new things, hopefully better things, hopefully less professor things. Um, amazing, amazing episode. Uh, you know, not. And that was one of those things where it's just like I'm, we're so ingrained with the original power that like while I was still pleased with it i was like it didn't feel like and before i could finish that sentence like it's not the same show and i need to make like i need to remember that this is not the same show it's not going to be too much shoot em up bang bang as the first series is there's i feel like this show is going to be what what brings a little more nuance into the universe um and i appreciate that uh any any theories uh, man, I don't know, man. Like I said, I, I got some hopes. Like I hope that this courtroom drama kind of finally plays out. Um, I'm interested to see where Kane and this hot headed hot headedness goes next, um, because he truly is out of options. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm just interested to see what the hotter family moves forward. Do they go back to? Because they never really eclipsed the situation with Tariq owing him the money. Do they still use Tariq as a connect? Do they find another way? Is it time for them to go out full out war? With uh, Rico, I'm assuming Rico is not just a, a one-time character. I think that was Jackie Long, uh, the actor Jackie Long, um, who's been in, you know, in a lot of black movies and TV shows. So I, I'm assuming they're not going to use him for just a quick cameo and not like fluff that character out a little bit more as well. So I don't know. I, I don't really have anything that I, that I want to say that I think is going to happen. I am just really excited to see how they how they close it out. What, what about you? All right. You ready for my theory? Yeah, go for it. I think Epiphany's dead. I think they're going to, I think they swerved us. Um, I think we're going to get one of those, whichever that season was where at the very end, you realize that Ghost is the one that killed all the uh, the Primeras. Um, I think, I think he used that money to either pay 2-Bit and maybe gave him extra to, to kill her or he he killed her himself and paid two bit of money to help get rid of the body. But I think Epiphany is dead. Hmm. Um, yeah, that's that. That's my Hail Mary. It's, it was just something about the way that that happened. Um, and, it, and it could be just something that was lost to the, you know, the way this episode was shot, where it really felt, it really feels like it felt like at the time that this next episode was going to be the, for this, it, at least the series finale, um, but yeah, that's what I'm going with. Um, I think, I think you know everybody else. I think everybody else is gonna gonna make it. I think, um, I think Drew, I think Drew recovers, or if he don't, he he gets a he gets a last conversation with someone. Now nah, Drew's gonna live. He's he's gonna live. But I think Epiphany is dead. Okay, I mean that's an interesting story. We did, we never did see the resolution of the two bit uh, from the first scene as for the fifty k. 
Um, and I, it seemed like a couple of days passed, and Tupac done seemed like the type that was waiting for his money. Um, right. So maybe we, you know, maybe we'll get a, a scene in season ten. I mean, episode ten where they flash back and that money really did go to two bit, and maybe that's the you know how we resolve two bit storyline. And then my thing that he's the new Tahara enforcer is wrong. So we'll see. I, I'm looking forward to it. So I'm, I'm we got one week to go. Uh, yeah, yeah. We'll see how they you know can can they do what wrap it up and also keep us interested in a, in a season two. Um, you know, I guess only time will tell at this point. But I'm ready for it. As am I, sir. All right. So that's going to do it for us. Y'all know who we are. I hope y'all know where to find us. If not, you can find me at OFFHA Clock Pod at, at pretty much everywhere. And you can find type in Off the Clock Podcast, OFFTHA Clock Podcast, pretty much everywhere. Um, working on, on the return. Uh, even if I, I might just have to start using this janky desktop, which uh, if you made it this far and you've heard some static, a thousand apologies, but a thousand thank you. Thank yous for sitting with us. We've had some connection issues, um, but thank you for rocking with us throughout all this. Um, you want to tell the people where they can get at you? Nah, at this point, I'm wherever <laughs> I am. But, uh, you know, this is the last recording of 2020. 2020 by the time we come back next time it'll be 2021 hopefully it'll be a good year for everybody happy new year that's all i got to say happy new year we'll see you guys next time